My name is Glenn Friedman, and you are inside the C-suite, the journey. I want to thank Prager Medicine International and NJBIA for their support. Today, we are joined by Eric Soma, co-CEO of Mood Fabrics. Eric, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Glenn. So let's get right into it. And, and folks, just so you understand, we never know where this is going, but it's going to be fun. Um, Eric uh, brings a lot to, to uh, today's uh, podcast. First of all, he, he's living the American dream. And if he's not, his dad and mom certainly are. And I'd love to get him to share a little bit about the history of Mood Fabrics. Awesome. Hey, Glenn. Uh, sure. History of our fabric, uh, of our fabric. Wow. The fabric of our lives. Living the American dream. So my father had to bounce around a lot. Uh, well, I'll start with my grandfather, who also was in the textile industry back in probably Turkey, early 1900s. Um, during the Armenian genocide, he had to flee to Syria. Um, and he was an orphan at that time because the rest of his family was slaughtered. So he fled to Syria. And from that point on, he had to find his way and figure things out. Eventually, you know, figured it out, got into the world of textiles. Uh, married my grandmother, had 13 kids, of which only eight survived uh, with, I think it was measles, typhoid, and a bunch of other things that, you know, unfortunately took out the, the kids. And then there was a war in Syria, I forget what year, where they had to flee to Lebanon. And in the 70s, there was another war where they had to flee. Then they finally went to Sweden, where a lot of my dad's family still is. My father and his brothers were all tailors. And my dad studied at one of the universities there. He studied fashion design. He had big dreams, big hopes where my, my, my dad's brothers, you know, they were mainly tailors. So they would get pieces. They would sew garments for other people. My dad was more a designer where he wanted to style and design. And from that point, he went to H&M and got his and somehow pitched an order where he didn't even have the fabric, he didn't have all the supplies, but he went and pitched them a garment and said, I have this, I can make it for you. And he got, I think his first order was 50,000 units. And that's enormous back then. And, and, and H&M back then was strictly just, just uh, I think, in the Scandinavian market. That's even before they went you know, international. So my dad somehow scrounged around, made, got the order completed. And his he had bigger dreams to be in the fashion capital of the world. So he got married, moved my mother. I think my mother was pregnant with my brother at the time. And they moved to New York. Uh, my dad started his clothing line, was almost successful from day one. He was able to sell his garments, was in the window of Saks and you know Bergdorf's and many other windows of, of high-end designer um, department stores. But like anyone in fashion, it's easy to sell, but it's not easy to collect. So he had, you know, tons of money on the streets. And um, then when he realized there was no money there, he slowly had to shift into contracting. So he got, I remember that's when my brother and I used to clean the, you know, the, the, the manufacturing floors um, of all like the excess, excess thread and fabric. And um, then he realized there's no money there and finally wanted to exit the entire fashion industry and when he did that he sold off all of the excess fabric he had onto the cutting tables in his in his um in his in his factory and from that point i guess that was his light bulb moment where i just made the most money i've ever made cod by selling off fabric 
So he went and bought some more fabric, sold it, bought some more fabric, sold it, and became a, a jobber at the time. And we had some some trickling in of some retail customers who heard about us. So my mom at the time said, you know what, instead of rejecting these people, I don't, I don't mind coming into the office and cutting two yard, three yard, one yard, whatever it takes to make this work. Uh, so she, she got involved, started the retail portion of it. Then my brother uh, got involved and he started going on some bigger buying trips to Italy and, you know, elsewhere. Um, then my sister got involved. And then that's when I pumped the brakes. And I said, I want nothing to do with this. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to you know, study information systems. I'm going to start my own thing. And I, I just studied information systems. I graduated. And when I graduated, the economy wasn't the greatest. And my dad said, you know, instead of just going out and trying to figure yourself out, why don't you come into the family business for about six months, learn business, get some experience. And then from that point on, you can figure things out and uh, you can start your own business. So I guess he got me involved six months later. I never even questioned leaving. And, you know, what are we now? 18 years in the business, uh, running alongside my brother and I. And we, we we're having fun every single day. So we are living the American dream. So how big is Mood Fabrics today? And where are you? how are you positioned in the marketplace? I'd say we're one of the key players in the market, especially on the, the higher end, you know, middle to higher end tier of fabrics. On the apparel side, no, not we're not huge in the home decor section, but we we definitely have some home decor with our product offering. But um, we have a store in New York, LA. We're soon to be Miami. We have a, a sizable online portion of our business, and we are expanding. We have great ideas for for future expansion. So your dad had a dream, right? And he had a vision. He created an incredible organization that's taking care of his family. And uh, I assume he hasn't had to run to any other countries uh, because of uh, uprisings. I'm happy to hear. But yeah. tell me what it's like entering a biz an established business in the shadows of your dad. Mm -hmm. Great question. So when I first got in the business, everyone looked at me as, you know, here's the new kid, the youngest son, just graduated from school, thinking he's coming in and, you know, starting at the top. So I didn't. I started at the bottom. But we've always been in the business. So when we were 12 years old, my our dad, you know, made us give out flyers on the street. We used to scream to, at people, fabric sale, and we used to take them by the hand and walk them upstairs. Because at the time we were on the 10th floor, so no one could see us, no one knew about us. So my brother and I would hand out flyers, walk them up there. So we were always involved in the business. But when I left to school and I came back, it was like I started over. And a lot of the employees just looked at me like, you know, your your dad's son, cool. So. I, I tried, you know, enforcing certain things and people just didn't listen to me. And it, it just took it took a while. It, it definitely took a while. But one day when you know someone did the wrong thing and disrespected the business, I unfortunately had to terminate. And then that's when things, you know, got serious for me. And I realized, you know, I'm, I'm going to be here to make some real changes. And um, in doing so, I realized I need to bring this company to the 21st century and add some technology to it because at the time we were paper-based we would do handwritten receipts for clients we were doing invoicing that way so i said you know let me let me you know bring a pos system let me start looking at building a website and i dabbled it on the side but then uh, when proof of concept worked i realized we need to go further in this direction even though you know this is the textile industry it's archaic it has probably hasn't changed in thousands of years it's always been you know 
buy and sell, very, very easy business. Uh, but with times changing, I realized we have to adapt and, and be at the forefront of that as well. You brought your own ideas and your own imagination to the business. And um, how about your dad? Did he just accept those ideas right out of the box? Absolutely not. My dad and my brother were, I wouldn't say they were against me, but they were saying this is an old school industry. You can't bring technology here. No one understands it. You can't, you can't think you're going to come into this just changing everything. It's been one way for thousands of years or hundreds of years, however you look at it. And just because you study computers doesn't mean you can apply it here. It works in technology. It works online, but you're not going to bring fabric. Nobody wants to touch and feel. Everybody wants to touch and feel fabric. They can't look at a screen and say, you know, I'll just buy that. And I, I, I said, I agreed with them. I said, you're right uh, to a certain degree, but eventually people are going to adapt. You know, the internet's going to take over and that's where we need to be. We need to be ahead of that curve so we can catch the wave rather than, you know, come afterwards. So their challenge to you, did that make you better? Did it make you stronger? Did it make you succeed more? Absolutely. It made me really hungry when someone, when they tell me, no, it can't be done or you're going to fail. I just, I took that as a personal challenge. I said, absolutely, I'm going to make this work. So what I did was I took my own money and I invested in a new website. I hired a, a, a firm, a large firm at the time. They built the website and it's it wasn't, you know, out of the gates making money, but it took a little while. And once it started clicking, I knew I had to leave the stores and eventually just come onto this full time. So about five years ago, I left running the stores and my brother was mainly in our distribution center here in Jersey and we switched. He took over running the stores and I came over here and it allowed me the time to actually grow it because before I was, it was running in Jersey, but I was in New York and I was doing it remotely and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't clicking. So once I came over here and I applied myself a little further, it finally started to click. And that's when also people were okay with the with the experience of buying things online. Amazon started taking off. People were comfortable with Amazon. Uh, internet speeds were getting faster. Mobile was starting to happen. So I realized, you know, now's the time to shift over and make things work. So today, what percentage of your business is online? Uh, it's definitely growing. It's our fastest growing division. I would say if I had to put a percentage on it, uh, especially during the COVID year of 2020, it definitely boomed. Uh, I would give it at least, you know, 40, 45% of our business is online. Wow. Yeah. And what does Jad and Peter say about that now? Oh, uh, Oh, sorry, I have to correct you. My dad and Phil. Um, Phil, sorry. Yeah, I got the P right, right? Phil or Peter, Phil, Paul, whatever. No. It's funny because once it started clicking, I remember my brother turning to me and saying, okay, how do we grow this 10X now? I was like, okay, that's my moment when I realized it's working. It made it when I, I have you know full consensus and buy-in from my dad and my brother. It was, it was, it was a great feeling. That's interesting. So, so you made a turn and, and you took the business in another direction from your dad, and um, and that's pretty exciting. And and so, give me some advice for for a son or a daughter entering a business um, that's family owned uh, that wants to um, make their own way and, and demonstrate that they have the same metal that their parents had. 
I would say come into the business slowly, understand the business before you start making real changes or you know spending you know, dollars. Definitely understand the business, understand the consumer, the product, and where the company is going. After a few months at least of being in the business, then you can decide on a path. And if that path is viable, then I would say start going into it a little slower than you should. Don't go headfirst into it. I always like to go, I always tread lightly where I try something out before I dive. So I, I would say go slow and then get your proof of concept before you, you go headfirst. And then uh, you just don't want to get the backlash of a family business. Because uh, once they put in a red you know, X on you, it's tough to make your way out of there. So I always say it's about the people, right? And yeah. we're all leadership and consensus building. How, how do you, you come in and you learn the business and you pay your dues. How hard is it to gain the respect of the people around you? It's hard. You just got to prove yourself. You're not going to come in and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm their boss's son. Respect me now. because That's not going to happen. You got to, you got to be the, for me, it was being the first one in, last one out. Hard, I didn't have lunch for days. I, I would just skip lunch because I, I knew I just had to work and I had to make sure that everything was in order. Um, I had to manage the front of the store. I had to manage the freight elevator. I had to do it all. And I proved it no matter what degree I brought to the business. I knew that it's just going to take a lot of work. And I, made, I had to make sure people respected me for my hard work rather than just being the owner's son. So now let's talk succession, right? Okay. Is the next generation... Asoma, or is the next generation someone from the outside? I mean, currently we're, we're, you know, internally speaking of, we want the next generation to be Asoma. We want the next generation to be part of the family, but you don't know where kids are going to go. You don't know who's going to be the next lawyer, doctor, engineer, and if they even want part of this. We're not going to force it, but if they want to come into the business, well, hopefully, you know, we can build it big enough where we can have a few of the kids come on in. Well, I hope I'm around long enough to see those kids. In the business. <laughs> the downturn in the economy, you can always invite one of your children into the business. Um, we'll stay 18 years, but I really want to thank you, Eric, for coming onto this podcast today and joining us inside the C-suite. And um, tell your brother, Phil, I'm sorry. <laughs> tell your brother that. Um, it's it's overwhelming what, what he's accomplished and your mom. Thank you, Glenn. Thanks for having me. It was my pleasure being here and uh, I will definitely relay the message. Great. Thanks. Thank you folks for joining us inside the C-Suite, the journey. Thank you.